Well, guys, good morning. We're continuing in this series, What Makes Me Happy? And we've been asking this question over the last several weeks. I hope you've been enjoying this series and getting a lot out of it. A quick review just to start off. We've asked the question. I hope you took notes. I hope you're ready for the pop quiz because here it is, okay? Week one, we asked the question, what makes me happy? That was the question. Do you know the answer? Anybody? Nothing, no thing, no material thing makes us happy. In fact, our happiness is tied more to a who than a what, right? Happiness is tied to a who or to. Happiness is relational by nature. Then the second week, we added another answer to this question. What was the second thing? Anyone? Sowing. That's right, sowing. This is the principle we got from Jesus. Jesus taught that uh, happiness comes by sowing and reaping. That happiness is not immediately accessible, but the decisions we make now, the actions we have now, is like us throwing seed into the ground, not getting immediate results, but knowing down the line we're either going to reap happiness or unhappiness because of the decisions we made. And many of us today, if we were honest, we would look at ourselves and realize we are where we are, whether it's happy or unhappy, because of the decisions we made in the past. And maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some unhappiness and some problems, some trouble in your life. And you look at that and you can look back and say, well, it's probably because of decisions I made in the past. But Jesus says the good news is you can choose to follow him and today you can begin sowing seeds into your future towards happiness. And then last week uh, we talked about happiness, what makes me happy. And Pastor Hooper talked about serving. The answer to that was serving. How many of you were here last week? Was that not an incredible message? Yeah, it was awesome. I want to encourage you, if you did not catch last week's message, to get on the website. Look it up, fellowshipgj.com. And we want to encourage you, listen to that, catch up with it, because it was such an incredible message where we talked about serving and its implications, not just for happiness in this life, but how the Bible says we're to store up treasures in heaven. So your actions now in serving other people stores up treasures uh, when it comes to your life in heaven for eternity. Now, uh, that's what we've talked about so far, and today, uh, the topic that we're going to cover, I'm excited about this topic, but unfortunately, as a pastor, I've got to be honest, I'll tell you, I've had a ringside seat to this too many times in my life. Because it breaks my heart like it breaks many of yours as we look at other people's lives and we see people undermine their own happiness. Have you ever seen someone make decisions that undermines their own happiness? I mean, sometimes you can see it coming. You see when someone is about to make a decision, you're like, oh, don't do that. You know, my family, we get together and we watch America's Funniest Home Videos, and it's funny because sometimes I'll watch my girls' faces as we watch the video, and before the bad thing even happens, you can normally see them cringe because they're getting ready, looking at whatever they're seeing on the screen, going, that is not going to end well. (laughs) You know, whatever you're doing right now, oh, this isn't going to be good. And I think truthfully, this happens in our lives a lot where we look at people around us and we see people and we see the decisions they're making. We see what's going on in their life. You go, oh, that's not going to end well. Don't do that. that that's going to undermine your happiness. That's going to hurt you. It's like when you see the young husband. He's been married for less than a year and, and he's winning the argument with his wife. And every man in this room that's been married for more than a year thinks completely different than him because he's thinking, I'm winning the argument. I'm putting her in her place. And every man in the room's going, stop it. Shut up. You are hurting your own happiness because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Man, you you watch stuff like that and you're like, I see it coming. That's going to be tragic, man. Just shut your mouth, you know? 
And it happens. We look at friends' lives and we see like relational conflicts and as we see we see trouble happening, you know, like the, because of the way they treat each other, that's it's not gonna end well. Or, or we look at people how they raise their kids and we think, I won't raise my kids that way. I wouldn't do that. And of course we're not gonna say that, you know, but then when you see trouble down the road, it's like we have this feeling like, yeah, I saw it coming. It's like a car accident, you know, in slow motion. I saw it happening. And, and it's not that, that we know everything, that we've got it all together. But when we look into someone else's life, you can kind of see the symptoms and go, you know what? Those decisions you're making are undermining your own happiness. And what's sad about this, if we take just a moment and look at this together today, is that you and I will face enough unavoidable trouble in our lives. Why would we ever want to bring more trouble on ourselves? You know, if we're going to face trouble no matter what, why would we want to make decisions that is going to bring more trouble on ourselves? And, and we don't just say this negatively. In fact, Jesus tells us that this is something we need to understand as his followers. John 16, says, In this world you will have trouble. This is Jesus talking. And then he says, But take heart, for I have overcome the world. So by Jesus' own words, he's saying, you are going to face unavoidable trouble in this life. You're going to go through difficulty, uh, and it's just going to happen. Not even by your fault. It's just going to happen. So if that's the case, why would we choose to make decisions that are going to hurt us even more? Well, I believe the truth for every one of us in this room. We're not making decisions because we want to hurt ourselves. We don't want to undermine our own, un, our own happiness, but... Today, the topic we're going to jump into is, I believe one of the reasons why we make decisions that undermine our own unhappiness is because of a confusion between two words. And they're these two words, pleasure and happiness. Pleasure and happiness. And today, I want to talk about these two words specifically and how they relate to one another specifically. But first, before we do that, we've got to take a look at, at where this comes from and something that Jesus said that is going to build context for us to be able to have this discussion this morning. And it's found in a very famous passage of Scripture, John chapter 10, verse 10. If you've been in church for any period of time, you've probably heard this teaching of Jesus. It's a very powerful teaching. And Jesus is speaking with very clear and powerful words, painting a picture for us. And he says this in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So in context, when Jesus refers to a thief, he's referring to anybody or anything that would come into your life. And as a result of its involvement in your life, it, it, it has stolen from you. It has killed a relationship it has destroyed your future. Any involvement you have with something that, that, that steals from you, kills something in your life, or destroys something in your life, Jesus says that's a thief. Now, it, here's kind of a, a little bummer in starting off the service this morning is uh, I've got to ask a question as we look at this, and it's, it's not too exciting, it's not too happy, but we have to look at it first before we can look at the solution here. And we have to ask ourselves the question, who in your life, has the most potential to steal from you, kill a relationship, or destroy something in your life? Who in your life has the most potential to steal from you, kill a relationship, or destroy something in your life? And the answer would be the same for every one of us in this room. It's, it's the person we get up and look at in the mirror every day. You have the most potential to steal from yourself. You have the most potential to kill a relationship. You have the most potential to destroy your future. In, in, in fact, it, it's you. 
It's you that is your own worst enemy. And we've, we've heard it said this way, I am my own worst enemy. You ever heard that? I've heard the way one black preacher says it. He says, he says there's an enemy in a me. <laughs> you know? We've got to recognize that, that sometimes the person that causes us the most problem is ourselves. So when we ask the question, you know, who has the most potential to hurt me in my own life, to be a thief in my own life, to steal from me, to kill relationships, to destroy my own future, well, I've got to recognize that it's me. That as I look at all the areas of my life where there's been unhappiness, that, that really I'm the common denominator there. And this is how I know this. This is how I know that you are your own worst enemy. It's because it's you that bought it. It's you that leased it. You drank it. You smoked it. You dated it. You slept with it. For some of you, you even married it, right? I will stop there. I won't go any further. But as we look at the areas of our life where we see the most unhappiness, where's, who's the common denominator there? For, for many of us, we could look at our lives and very clearly say, you know what, there's been some other problems, some other struggles, but, but it's probably me who has done the most when it comes to stealing from myself, to being a thief in my own life. And, and, and Jesus is saying, so the person who steals and kills and destroys from you, that's, that's a thief. And it could be actions that you're taking. It could be the decisions that you're making. But, but it's something that we have to recognize that, that we struggle with an enemy and sometimes that enemy is, is enemy. So Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then in contrast, he makes this statement. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Maybe if you read another translation of the Bible, it doesn't say have it to the full. There's another word there. It's the word abundantly. I've come that may, they may have life and have it more abundantly. If you go all the way back to the Greek and you look at the way this word is defined, the life being defined here is coming out as life to the full, more abundantly. It actually is life that is not ordinarily encountered. So Jesus is saying, I have come that you would have a life that's not ordinary, but it's an extraordinary life. It's not a normal life. Everyone else has a normal life. But I came to give you an extraordinary life, an amazing life, a different life, the type of life where people look at you and they go, wow, man, what is different? And, and it's not that you haven't gone through trouble. It's not that you haven't gone through pain, but there's something internal that is beginning to invade everything in your life. So, so Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Then he makes this statement and gives us this word picture, and it's beautiful. He says, I am the good shepherd. See, this might not mean much to you because you don't spend your day with sheep. But in the first century, everyone that Jesus was talking to and his audience here, they understood very clearly this word picture that Jesus was giving because they spent their day with sheep. They knew what it meant to take care of sheep. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. I'm not just an average shepherd. I am a good shepherd, and I take care of my people just like a good shepherd would take care of his sheep. And he goes on and says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's something you got to catch. If someone is willing to lay down their life for you, then they're for you. And Jesus is saying, I am for you. I, I, I'm for you. I've got your back. I'm trying to build you up. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to give to you. I'm trying to help you. This is in sharp contrast to the thief. 
He's making a contrast here. There's a thief that steals and kills and destroys from you, but I'm a good shepherd. And in contrast to that, I, I, I build, I protect, I give, I lay down my life for you. So he's saying there's a decision that you have to make here. And the decision is you can choose to follow the thief. You can choose to continue to make decisions to, to lead your own life and to let the person who steals from you the most and, and kills the relationships the most and destroys the most in your life. You can let that person lead you. Or he's saying, or I'm the good shepherd and you can make a decision to follow a good shepherd who would lay down his life for you and protect you and help you. And see, in this passage, Jesus compares us to sheep. And for some people, it's kind of an offensive comparison because... Most people know that sheep aren't very smart. In fact, some people would even say sheep are stupid, right? But you shouldn't be offended by that because, after all, like I just said, you're, you bought it, you leased it, you, you purchased it, you, you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, you slept with it. I mean, after all, bottom line, you made some bad decisions, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was... It was an awful joke when I heard it the first time, and it's still an awful joke. I know. It's kind of cute, though, I guess. But, but we make bad decisions, and, and we steal from ourselves. And Jesus is trying to show us this picture. He's, he's trying to say, you got to understand that there's another option. That you can go through your life leading yourself and stealing from yourself and hurting yourself, but I'm giving you another option, and that's... That's to follow me as a good shepherd. See, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about the fact that sin separates. It separates us from ourselves. You know, if you've ever been in a pattern of sin, you've probably felt this way. or You've said something like, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. I, I don't even know how I got where I am. You know? It separates us from other people. Every time we introduce sin into our lives, it kills relationships. The relationships that mean the most, those are the ones that get hurt by sin in our life. And then anytime we have sin in our life, it, it, it hurts our relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, if you're following me, if I, I become the good shepherd, I give you the way towards having peace with others, ha having peace with God, and having peace with yourself. But he's saying there's, there's contrast to this. And, and to use Jesus' vernacular, he's saying sin Okay, sin came to steal from you, to kill and destroy. So he's saying you've got to understand that we all have to make a decision here. And I, I think the biggest part of this is that none of us would say, yeah, I'm trying to hurt myself. I'm trying to make decisions that I'm going to regret in the future. But, but I want to get back to this, these two words that we talked about at the beginning. It's the words pleasure and happiness. And we have to talk about the confusion that takes place between these two words because it's why so many Christians struggle in their lives. So many Christians, they want to follow Jesus, but they feel like there's such a difficulty and they, they undermine their own happiness over and over and over again. And what I'm about to say about this, um, if you've never been in church, if you haven't been in church very much, this might come as a surprise to you. And maybe you have been in church for a while and you've never heard this taught before, but it's something we all need to understand, and it's the word pleasure. Do you recognize that God wants you to experience pleasure? That God created you with the capacity to experience pleasure. He wants you to have pleasure. Now, that's mind-blowing to some people because some people automatically equate pleasure with sin. Pleasure's a bad thing. Like, we shouldn't go after that. But, but do you recognize it's God who gave you the ability to experience pleasure? Do you know sexual pleasure was, was created by God? 
Can you think about how that must have looked at the end of creation when, when God's finished up his creation? It's like, oh man, I got an idea. And the angels come around, they're like, what, God? He's like, oh, you just wouldn't understand. <laughs> you know, you want to, like, you see all the other animals reproducing. We're going to kick it up a notch for the humans, okay? This is, I got a great idea, right? That was God that, that decided he wanted to give us the ability to experience pleasure in that way. Do you recognize that Jesus made wine? The Bible says that it, it's his first recorded miracle, that Think about it. Jesus, for his first miracle, he could have done anything. He, he could have healed someone. He could have raised someone for that. He could have done anything like that. And he's like, nah, let's make some wine. And he made wine for a party as people were coming together at a wedding. That, that, that's what Jesus did for us. Ladies, do you recognize all of the disciples wore shoes? <laughs> I threw that in there for my wife because she has way too many stinking shoes. When do you get enough shoes, Right? But God wants us to experience pleasure. In fact, he created us to have a capacity to experience pleasure. Just in the same way he created you to have a capacity to experience happiness in your life, he wants you to experience pleasure in your life. But the problem with this is priority. It's not an either-or thing. It's not that you can either have pleasure or have happiness. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that, that the problem here with humans and pleasure and happiness is priority. Because if you, if you prioritize your life to where you seek pleasure all the time, then eventually what's going to happen is that you're not going to experience pleasure and you're not going to experience happiness. The opposite is true, though. If we prioritize the principles of happiness first... And following the good shepherd first, not only will we experience happiness, but we can experience pleasure in what I believe is better pleasure than what anyone else would experience. But we get it so messed up because we, we go after pleasure and we think, well, it makes me feel happy for the moment. It's a momentary uh, escape for me. So if I can just experience a little pleasure, that would bring me happiness. But the problem is pleasure eventually loses its pleasure and becomes a prison. And the reason why is because of the law of diminishing returns. Let me think about it. Every one of us in here understand this principle of it. it used to take a half a glass. Then it was a full glass. And then two glasses. And then four glasses. And now the pleasure doesn't even show up. And what shows up instead is there was anger and there was fighting. And you can't even remember the night before. Well, every single area of our life that we experience pleasure has the same problem of diminishing returns where, where it only took a little bit and then we seek that pleasure again. And while we're looking for that pleasure, it's like we, we keep going back to it. We keep saying yes to it. We keep trying to find that pleasure again. And because the returns are diminishing, it's like we, we give more and more and more of ourselves and in return we're not receiving anything back like what we once first received. So we've got to look here at, at this principle of the fact that we've got to put happiness before pleasure if we want to experience both. But if we put pleasure first before happiness, we won't experience either. Here's a great way to look at it. We see that Paul was trying to break down some of Jesus' teachings to the Roman audience. In the book of Romans, he was talking to a group of Gentiles, a group of people much like you and me. And he was taking Jesus' teachings and trying to make them as simple as possible. And I love how he starts this passage off. In Romans 6, verse 16, he starts off with these three words. Don't you know, don't you know, like, in other words, he's saying, you know, really? Do I have to repeat myself here? Isn't this obvious? Shouldn't you already know? Don't you already know this? Do I really have to say this? 
So it, it makes me lean in and go, okay, what, what's this obvious principle that I lean into? And he, he's hoping that this obvious principle will be something we can lean into, we can learn from and grab a hold of the truth. And he says it here, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? You're like, wait, what does that mean? This is supposed to be obvious, it's supposed to be simple, I have no idea what you're talking about there. Offering the obedient slaves, what? Let's slow down, let's read it again. Don't you know that when you offer yourself, okay, I'll take one of those, I'll do that, yes, I'll do that, I'll have another. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey. He's saying if you continue to say yes to a pleasure, if you continue to go back to it and say over and over and over again, the answer is yes, I'll do that. Don't you realize that you're actually becoming obedient to that? You're becoming a slave to that master in your life. And though it was something you chose, you say, wait, I'm not a slave. I, I chose to do this. And Paul's saying, that's my point exactly, that, that you're choosing something. If you choose something over and over and over again, you're not the one choosing anymore. You're actually being drawn in. He's saying, don't you realize when you go back to that pleasure over and over and over again, you obey it over and over and over again, you're becoming obedient. You're putting yourself in a position of slavery, of servanthood. And you're saying, I'm going I'm to serve this idea. I'm going to serve this principle. I'm going to serve this person. He's saying, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are a slave to the one that you obey? And then he goes on and says, whether you are a slave to sin... So every time sin comes knocking at the door, you, you answer it. You say, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Or whether you're a slave to sin, which leads to death. You know, we talked about a couple weeks ago how all sin leads to death. And it doesn't necessarily lead to physical death right now, but it, it kills different areas of your life. It kills relationships. It kills joy. It kills happiness. It kills your emotions. Every time we bring sin into our life, it leads to death. So he said, whether you're a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience. So now Paul's leaning into what Jesus said, and he's saying, there's another option. There's an alternative here. You don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to say yes every time to, to death. You don't have to go down that road. You could be obedient to God. You could be obedient to Jesus. You could follow Jesus as the good shepherd. There's another, there's another way here. And if you do that, if you, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness very, very simply just means right standing with God. Having a good relationship with God. See, every day of your life, you are offering yourself to be a servant to one of two masters. You are offering yourself to be a servant to either sin, which leads to death, to, to, to the thief which steals from you and kills and destroys, or to the good shepherd, to obedience which leads to life, which leads to righteousness, right standing with God. He's saying you have a decision in this. And every one of us are faced with this decision as we recognize, you know what, I, I can be my own worst enemy. I can be the one that steals from myself the most. And, and he's saying just if you decide to be obedient to God, to follow the good shepherd, then he gives you peace. He gives you peace with one another. He gives you peace with himself. He gives you peace with yourself. And, and when you do this, he gives you a whole nother life. A life that doesn't steal from your happiness, but provides more and more and more. But the problem here is that for every one of us in this room, we know what it's like when we feel unhappy, 
And, and when I feel unhappy right now at this moment, I, I just want to escape from this unhappiness. So we turn to something. We turn to some sort of a pleasure. And I'm not even saying pleasure has to be a sin. This could be a good thing. You know, it could be something that's not immoral, it's not illegal, but we turn to a pleasure and we start to think, if I could just get some sort of quick fix, if I can get something that's going to turn my feelings around right now, then, then that's going to make me happy again. And, and we see with the law of diminishing returns that every time we seek pleasure and every time we say yes to that, we're, we're saying yes to the thief. We're saying yes to stealing from ourselves. We're saying yes to undermining our own happiness. Paul is saying if you keep saying yes and trying to fix your happiness by, by leaning into pleasure more and more and more, then really you're becoming a slave to the one that you give obedience. Here's the truth. Every one of us in this room, if we just get serious for a moment, every one of us in this room know what that thing is that we try to go to. That when things get difficult, we know where that pleasure is, that, that hot button for me, that, that I go to that. I look for that. I try to experience that. I call that person up. I go there. We all know exactly who that is. We all know exactly what that is. We know exactly where that is. And see, I want to encourage you in this moment that we have together before we close uh, to, to answer a couple difficult questions. And I want to tell you, I'm not going to ask this question and play a trick on you. Like, if you, if you answer this question, then I'm going to have you raise your hand, then I'm going to have you stand up, and then I'm going to have I'm not going to do any of that. Uh, this is a question just for you to answer. You're the only one that can know the answer to this question. The person sitting next to you is not going to know the answer to this question. Uh, but you've got to answer this question because the only one who wouldn't want you to know this question is the thief. Because the thief would want to steal from you the opportunity to be happy. The thief, thief would want to kill your relationships. The thief would want to destroy this opportunity right now. And I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question. Let's just get into it for a moment. Is there a pleasure that is undermining your happiness? Again, I'm, I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying it's a sin. It could be moral or immoral. It could be legal or illegal. It could be wrong. It could be right. I don't know. But is there a pleasure that, that you're seeking that as you go to it, it's undermining your happiness? Maybe I should say it this way. Is, is there a pleasure that as you go to it, it's slowly taking you prisoner? And maybe you say things like, you know, I, I probably shouldn't do that anymore and and, and you keep going back to it, but you feel more trapped by it over and over again, and your kids are starting to look at you weird, and they say things like, Mom, why do you do that? And you're like, well, just, just go over there and leave me alone. You'll understand when you're older. Or, or, or you go back to that thing, and your wife gives you that look, and, and she's not going to say anything because she said something before, and, and that didn't work out very well. So, so she just gives you that look. Is there an area of your life that you've said yes to over and over and over again and you feel like it's beginning to slowly take you prisoner? You feel like it's beginning to undermine your happiness? Well, here's what I wish you would know today. Here's what I wish you would do today is I believe sometime in the future, if you keep saying yes, if you keep opening the door, there's going to be a day where you look back and you say, I wish I would have stopped answering the door. 
I wish I would have just stopped obeying that and stopped saying yes. I mean, I became a slave to it. It became my master. It became so much of who I was, and it stole so much from me. It killed so many things in my life. It destroyed so much of my potential, of my family, of who I am. And maybe, just maybe by the grace of God, perhaps today, you would be willing to trade your pursuit of pleasure for the pursuit of a good shepherd. Because maybe, just maybe today, you would say, you know what, I've had enough and I'm sick of undermining my own happiness. I'm sick of constantly trying to look for something to make me feel better because I'm so constantly unhappy. Maybe, just maybe today, you would say, you know what, I'm going to stop the pursuit of this stuff. I'm going to stop the pursuit of trying to feel better. And I'm going to start pursuing the good shepherd who lays down his life for me, who loves me, who cares for me. He wants to build me up and give me strength. I want that type of a life. We see that Jesus offers us this great alternative that every one of us in this room, we we could have a shepherd that leads us. Because there's a lot of us in this room, we say, you know what, as I... As I make decisions, I hurt myself. I need to stop making my own decisions and start just seeing how would God answer this question? What would God want me to do in this situation? But I've already gone to meddling. Let me just go a little bit further. And I want to talk to the guys for just a moment. So guys, I mean, ladies, talk amongst yourselves, okay? Um, guys, just between you and me for a moment. The... I am a guy, okay? Before I'm a pastor and step on this stage on Sundays, I am a man. I know I deal with the same struggles you do. We're in this together. I'm just as much of a guy as you are. And when I hear something like this, you want to know what my internal response is? My internal response is, yeah, I need to do better at that. You know what that is? That's our way of doing absolutely nothing. And, and, and I'm good at this, you know, because I, it's like I think there's something I should work on. I don't know if I really want to work on it. I, I don't want to get into this. And, and for some of us, we're really good. We know there's a conversation coming when we get to the car. So what a lot of us will do is we'll think, you know, I'm going to start the conversation. So before she even starts the conversation, I'm going to start the conversation. I'm going to go out there and say, you know what, I need to change this. I'm going to work on this. And, and your wife gets to the car. And she's thinking, man, this is going really good. And, and then by the end of the football game tonight, she's looking at you going, hey, wait a minute right not for everybody here's what we know about humans here's what God shows us about ourselves is we're not good at cutting back maybe for some of us in this room there's some stuff we need to cut out it might take extreme measures if you're here in this service you're going you know what I I want to be happy. I want my life to be different. And yet you keep going back to the same stuff over and over and over again. Maybe today is the day that you make a decision. I'm going to go put some extreme measures in place and I'm going to cut some stuff out of my life. I'm going to kick that roommate out of my house. I'm going to move out of this house. I'm going to go back and I'm going to pour that stuff down the drain. Or I'm going to unhook my internet connection. I'm going to go back and make some big decisions. And guys, I want to plead with you. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now that there is some stuff that you, wanna, you need to cut out of your life, I pray and hope that you won't get five years down the road and look back and go, why didn't I just stop saying yes to that then? 
Because now I'm so much further down a path and I've become a servant to a thief. Would you stand with me? I don't want to embarrass a single person in this room, but I want to give some opportunities right now. I believe that, that there are some of you in this room that you say, you know what, I've never made a decision to follow the good shepherd. I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I've never asked him to be my savior. Well, Jesus gives you such a beautiful and wonderful and powerful invitation to let him be your God. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you an opportunity to live life differently, a life full of happiness, full of joy, an abundant life. So what I want to do is ask every person to bow their heads and close their eyes, and I'm going to, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to invite every person in this room to repeat this prayer after me. And if you have never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and become your Lord, to become your, your Savior, to become your shepherd, the one that you follow, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. So every person saying this word, these words out loud right now. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe that you laid down your life for me and that you rose again. So please be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, he's so good. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you to tell someone before you leave that you've asked Jesus to become your good shepherd. Now for everyone else. Uh, I, this, this is just us being adults, being followers of Christ that know there's some conviction God put on our lives. There's some stuff many of us might need to cut out of our lives. If that's not you, I want you to pray for the other people around you right now. But I want to just pray right now that God would give us the courage to follow the good shepherd not follow the thief. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that you provide a different way. I thank you that God, you lay down your life for us. And God, as we follow you, I pray that you would give us the strength to start slamming the door shut and to start saying no and to reject the thief from our life. And for those of us that we are the thief, that God, we keep making the bad decisions. Right now, we submit our decisions to you. And we're not gonna make decisions based on what we want anymore. We're gonna make our decisions based on what you want because we, we know you're not gonna steal from us. You're gonna help us, God. So I pray for each and every person in here as your Holy Spirit has whispered conviction into our lives that this wouldn't be one of those things where we just get out to the car and we blow this off and we go on with our day. But I pray right now, God, you would give us the strength to make changes in our life, to cut stuff out of our life and stop pursuing the things that steal from us. So Jesus, we put you first and we ask for happiness, we ask for joy, and we ask for your leadership in our lives. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're thankful for him, let's give him a shout of praise today.